Welcome to the Gainesville Vineyard Podcast, featuring sermons given at our church and community center located in the Lincoln Estates neighborhood in Gainesville, Florida. If you find these messages beneficial, if you're part of our community, or if you want to help support the services we're providing to Southeast Gainesville, you can text the word GIVE to 352-562-7771 to make tax-deductible donations. Here's this week's message. Good morning. Welcome to the Gainesville Vineyard Sunday morning live stream. We're glad you're here. Today we have with us Leah Gallion. She's part of our lead team, which are our elders. And we're super excited to hear from her today. Um, she does our literacy program as well and a lot of things for us. And we're really thankful for Leah and I'm excited to hear what she has to say today. Thanks, Amy. So this morning I'm going to read out of the book of Ruth. Um, it's chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem and Judah went to live in the country of Moab, he and his wife and two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Chilion. They were Ephathrites from Bethlehem and Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth. When they had lived about ten years, both Malon and Chilion also died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Then she started to return with her daughters-in-law from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had considered his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she had been living, she and her two daughters-in-law, and they went on their way to go back to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find security, each of you, in the house of your husband. Then she kissed them, and they wept aloud. They said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Do I still have sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. Even if I thought there was hope for me, even if I should have a husband tonight and bear sons, would you wait until they were grown? Would you then refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, it has been far more bitter for me than for you, because the hand of the Lord has turned against me. Then they wept aloud again. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. So she said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not press me to leave you or to turn back from following you. Where I go, where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. There will I be buried. May the Lord do thus and so to me and more as well if even death parts me from you. When Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. Oh, man. <laughs> I just love verses 16 and 17. I don't know if it's because my mom's name is Ruth or just because the loyalty is 
one of the most important qualities that I value. But when she says, like, don't force me to leave you, don't make me go home, you know, so help me God, not even death is going to come between us. It's like my heart jumps like, yes, you know. So I've entitled my message this morning, Extraordinary Love, Making Hard Choices. The first thing I want to point out from this passage is that Ruth and Orpah had a clear choice. It was up to them, right? Naomi released them to go back home. Three times, Naomi says, Shavna, or turn back or return. She had absolutely zero hope of offering them anything of value, which of course in that culture was marriage and children. And I've always heard this passage explained like, oh, bad Orpa, you know, like she chose to go back home and leave Naomi and um, kind of like more praising Ruth's choice. And I really just don't think that's the case. It's not like she was unfaithful or disloyal. In verse eight, Naomi praises both of them for their kindness and loyalty. And she said, may the Lord deal with you kindly as, as you have dealt with the dead and with me. So when Orpah wept and kissed her mother-in-law heading back to her own people in Moab, Orpah acted, Orpah acted in accordance with the traditional customs of the time, right? So like by going back to her home, she's going to have the possibility of a husband and children. So she's going to have the possibility of like her own community and her faith. Her choice really would have been respected and there would have been no one judging her for that. Like, so... I guess what I'm trying to say is like what Orpa did was normal. It was ordinary. It wasn't necessarily bad. So, and then we have, and we have Ruth, who what she did would be considered extraordinary. So when she was choosing to stay with Naomi, she was essentially choosing the path of no hope or escape, right? So in verses 11 through 13, Naomi says, like, you know, this is this is the Leah Galeon version. You know, what's going to happen? Am I going to meet some hottie, get pregnant, have a son, and then we're going to, like, wait till he grows up and y'all can, like, get married? You know, so um, it's kind of comical, um, Naomi's rendition. And Ruth was basically, by her making her choice to stay, she was choosing to live with an utterly depressed and hopeless mother-in-law who could essentially offer her nothing. And she made that choice anyway. So Ruth voluntarily enters this covenant relationship with her mother-in-law. Now, I love my mother-in-law, but a covenant relationship, covenant relationship, like, uh-uh. So <laughs> Ruth, it says, um, the Hebrew says, debuck, like clung to her mother-in-law and she held fast to her. She joined together with her. So the picture that came into my mind was like a toddler hanging on to your leg, you know, screaming for them not to leave. Like, I'm not going to let you go, you know. Um, and Ruth really uh, isn't known for much else. We don't know much else about her except for that she made this selfless decision. She was looking to the needs of someone else with no hope of a future for herself. She put her needs aside for the sake of someone else. And I'd like to just compare that to what Christ did when he gave up his life for us and that that was an act of extraordinary love as well. So we're going to turn now to Hebrews 9, 11 through 14. 
But when Christ came as high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and perfect tent, not made with hands that is not of this creation, he entered once and for all the holy place, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, thus obtaining eternal, eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls with the sprinkling of the ashes of a heifer sanctifies those who have been defiled so that their flesh is purified, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to worship the living God? Here the author's making a comparison. It's not that there was anything wrong with the blood of animals sanctifying people, right? That had a purpose for that time. It's not that it didn't have meaning or purpose. It's just, it wasn't really sacrificial on their part, right? They didn't make the choice to be slaughtered. The animals weren't like, yeah, let's go, lay me down, slaughter me. You know, it was just a role that they filled. And like Orpah, they fulfilled that role. They, they were faithful. They were set to do what they set out to do. And just like Ruth's sacrificial choice, Christ's offering was performed willingly and sacrificially, which made it of such great value. Both were a human act of the highest spiritual love, a vow of loyalty and devotion, extraordinary love. In Mark 12, 28 through 31, it says, and one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, asked them, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. There are 613 laws in the Torah. Bad laws? No. Ones we should ignore? No. There's 613 laws and it comes down to this. Love God, love others. Just as if you want to live extraordinarily, this is what you'll do. In other words, extraordinary love is less of a feeling and more of a decision, a decision to act for the good of another showing concern for their well-being like you would your own, rejoicing when good things happen for your friends and enemies like you would if it happened to you, singing someone else's praises, showing concern for their financial well-being, celebrating with them. The amazing part about all of this is when we love extraordinarily, we invite the extraordinary into our lives, just like Valerie read in Psalm 146 where she said, the Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. He loves the righteous. He watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and widow. So the psalmist is recounting how God makes something from nothing, sight to the blind, food to the hungry, freedom, freedom for prisoners. Just like we can see in the book of Ruth, how God brought a fruitful womb from childlessness, abundant food from famine, a cared-for widow from a hopeless one. God's faithful to provide for his people. So where does this leave us? The thing that I want to you to think about this morning is, do you feel like anyone has shown you extraordinary love? Do you feel Jesus' extraordinary love? 
And if you haven't felt that, I want to invite you right now to invite him into that place of, God, you know what? I've just, I've never felt that. I've never really felt that you made that choice for me, that you love me extraordinarily, that you're going to cling to my leg when I'm trying to get out of the way. You know, you're going to stick with me come, you know, whatever may. You're with me. You're in this. We're in this together. And if you don't have that assurance, that, you know, hope that, yeah, you know, we're in this covenant together, then I want to invite you to, to open yourself up to that and ask God, you know, will you help me feel that extraordinary love? Leah. Thanks. <laughs> that was good. It was powerful to hear Leah talk about that. Um, yeah, it's really good. Um, it's amazing to feel God's extraordinary love. And if you haven't, um, I think it's something we would all want for you. Um, definitely take a minute to do that. If, if you need any help with that or you have questions about that, um, you know, leave a comment or message us. Uh, Michael and I will see your message um, on our on our thing privately and um, just just message the page. Um, it's no problem at all. We'd love to talk to you about that more uh, or spend some time with you if you need it, uh, but we're always here for you. Uh, definitely to hear that extraordinary love. Thanks. I love the topic too. <laughs> um, I love the idea, of, well, for one, of someone loving me that much mm -hmm. that they would cling to my leg forever and the thought that we could possibly love each other that much it's just kind of blows you away that Ruth was in that space yeah you know and I think it's like it it's just a it doesn't have to be you know going back to kind of Orpa and Ruth and and the differences like it, it it's not that you know Orpa's choice was wrong or right. anything it's just right. like different spaces that you're in at different points in your life of like what is God calling you to? And that's going right. to look different for everybody, you know? Um, yeah, I think that, I mean, we don't know what happened in the rest of their lives, especially for Orpah. Yeah. Um, her going back and leaving Ruth and following um, that tradition may have been exactly what led her to what she did that was extraordinary. You know, we don't yeah. know that. And so these choices that we make along the way... Um, need to be good choices, not choices of guilt or obligation or anything like that. And um, Naomi in no way tried to obligate her or guilt her into anything. Yeah, She did just the opposite. She tried to release her to have her life and have good things. And Naomi showed it's so much love for both of them um, in doing that. And I think that's part of what um, we need in community because Orpah was able to hear in that moment from her two, from her mother-in-law and from her sister-in-law, these people who loved her and she knew that they loved her, that this isn't the time for you to sacrifice right now. You need to go home. Yeah. And that's what she heard and that's what she did and she obeyed that. And in community, a lot of times, that's how we have to work a lot of these things out. Is it time for you to just kind of branch out and show this extraordinary love and give of yourself in this new way? Or is it time for you to just say, okay, that's 
that's not for me. I'm feeling guilt. I'm feeling obligation. I, you know, this is just something that's being put on me. It's not, it's not God and the Holy Spirit calling me to this new thing. Right. Um, and, you know, I, I, I feel like anytime I've come across some of these decisions, it's been so obvious in one way. Like right. you've been like, oh, I mean, like, do I want to cut off my arm? Let me think. No, right. I right. do not. Right. Like this just isn't happening. I'm sure this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do now. I didn't stop and say, I'm not going to do it. Do I need to think about this? Do I need, you know, and I think that's where, um, that's where Ruth was. She knew that she knew she wanted to stay there. She didn't need to discuss it with 12 people. And so there is that sureness that you get. Um, and I remember running some decisions by somebody once, <laughs> you know, in community. And so, so I'll tell you what I mean by this in a minute. So I was like, you know, I'm just, I know I want to do this, but do you ever have those moments where you tell somebody, this is what I'm going to do. This is what God told me to do. And you're so sure. And then they walk out the door and you like kind of close your door and you're hiding. You're like, oh my gosh, am I doing this? Is this real? You know, and you kind of have that panic moment. And I was like, you know how that is? And they said, no, <laughs> I don't. What are you doing? <laughs> like it was, and so and so you have to reflect in the right groups, if that makes sense. Like if you're a real risk taker and you're someone who jumps off cliffs all the time, then you need to have those cliff jumpers with you to really reflect with you and say, you're too used to jumping off cliffs and you need to take a deep breath and not do this this time. Or, yeah, man, let's do it. Jump, yeah. go. And so um, no matter how sure you feel, you, you do need that community in there. Even you're going to get mixed reviews. But you still need to bounce it off of it and really reflect on what they've said and pray on that and say, okay, God, was any of this what you're trying to say to me right now? And um, God's just beautiful in how he'll come to us and show us that he loves us and in physical ways and in just little whispers here and there. And um, we really want that for you this week. Yeah. And, for you to really feel that deep commitment that he has for you. Yeah, you know, I was thinking as you were talking, it got me thinking of like really Naomi, her act of releasing her daughters-in-law was another, and I didn't touch on this, but that was another act yeah. of extraordinary love, right? Yeah. Of like, go, you know, like I have nothing to offer you. Please just, you know, go. Right. Like that was her love for them in the same way of releasing, like you said, there's no obligation. And I think, you know, I, I think of, um, you know, just some different friends that I have just going through different things, like one caring for her um, parents who both have dementia. And she, she chose to do that. She chose to move there and take care of them. And that's what she wanted. She has a brother and sister. They aren't choosing that. That right. doesn't mean that, oh, bad other sibling. It's just, right. this right. is what she wanted to do. So I think it's like finding those things of like not doing it, like you said, out of obligation. Like now, you know, I've got to make this sacrificial choice because I have to. This was what Ruth wanted. Right. And so the, I think that's an important component as we puzzle through these things. Like if you're just, if you aren't feeling it, if you right. aren't, you know, like, <laughs> right, that's not helping oh, no. anybody, you know? No, you can't stay the course like that. Guilt only takes you so far. And obligation yeah. only takes you so far. And when it really gets hard and, and your life doesn't have any more choices, um, th those aren't going to last. And, you know, it's only this true calling that will make you go to the end. Yeah. Yeah, and like you said, Naomi, that's a good point. I mean, 
it was Ruth that went out in the fields and helped gather as well. And, you know, I don't know how old she was, especially in that culture. I don't oh, know no. how much she could have even taken care of herself. And we all know how widows were treated at the time. You know, I could, she was not setting herself up for anything, <laughs> literally. No. You know. No. So, so anyway. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, lots of sacrifice there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but thanks for listening. Yes. I hope you enjoyed Leah's sermon this morning. I did. <laughs> I loved having her here with us. Thanks. Um, and we'll be there on Sunday morning if you want to join us. We're back to live in-person service in yeah. our building. Um, so join us at 1030 if you'd like to. We'd love to see you. Hopefully by the time you see this, you have already made your choice. And you're either watching <laughs> us live or you're there with us in the building. But yeah. for next week, just consider joining us if you'd like. Um, but we're glad you're here. And we hope you find God's love this week. Thanks. God bless you. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Gainesville Vineyard Podcast. For more information about our church and community center, including our food pantry, life skills training, legal aid, after school and sports programs, and international missions, and how to contact us, visit GainesvilleVineyard.org or find us on Facebook. Our page name is GN Vineyard. We also have original worship songs available on iTunes. Just search for Gainesville Vineyard. You can support the work we're doing by texting the word GIVE to 352-562-7771. All donations are tax deductible. We appreciate you listening to this message and pray the Spirit speaks directly to you through something you've heard today. God bless.